So we're going to read together in, in a, from our Bibles. It's from Matthew uh, chapter 28, a very famous uh, part of Scripture. So let's uh, read that together. I can just about see it. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, uh, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, and I will make disciples of all nations. Sorry, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to be everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How are you feeling today? You had a good week? I've had um, an interesting one yesterday. I went to a party. You probably could tell by how tired I look. It was a four-year-old's party. My granddaughter had a party in a, mm, a very interesting place where you could pretend to be different careers. But the thing was fascinating was some of the people at the party were friends of my daughter. And my daughter's in her, th- well, she's 30 now. And so these are all sort of similar age. But we can remember them being younger when they were about four. In fact, remember some of them even younger in that. And here we are as they're all grown up with their families now attending parties. I am old. I was speaking to, to one of the mums. I, I can remember her as a child. I can remember her as a teenager and how much trouble she was at points. And here she is as a mum. And she said, I said, oh, how are you getting on? How's life going? And she goes, I go to church. Your church, not this church, but the last church I went to. And I went, oh, great. Never went when I was there. But now you decided to go. <laughs> but isn't it interesting that, that the influence we can have can make a big difference in people's lives? Jesus came to a group of fishermen who were casting nets and he said, take me out to the deep water. And they did. And he says, throw your your nets here. And they did. And as they tried to pull their nets in, there was so much fish in those nets, they called for a second boat. And it says, if they hadn't been so close to shore, both of those boats would have sank because there were so many fish. And when they got into shore, I imagine the best catch they've ever had. You can imagine the talk for years to come. We caught so many fish, we nearly sunk two boats. But when they got to shore, that wasn't on their mind. On their mind was, who is this man who can do this? It says, Peter, Simon Peter, fell on his knees and says, get away from me. I am a, I'm a, a, a sinner. And Jesus says, get up. And then he says to them, he says, come, follow me, and I will make you fisher of some men. Come. Fishermen. And you know what? 
It didn't matter that they had so many fish that they nearly sunk two boats. It says they left them where they were, their dad in the boat, and they left everything to go and follow Jesus. Why? Well, why not? Wouldn't you like to go on that adventure? Imagine if they hadn't gone, and they'd be talking, I nearly went. I nearly missed it. But the adventures that they got to see wasn't so long after this that they were part of a, another miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. They saw water turn into wine. They saw Jesus heal lepers. They saw him make um, deaf people hear and lame people walk and blind people see. The dead came back to life. They saw him walking on the water and they saw him calming the storm. What an adventure that they had. And the great thing is, that adventure has always been there for us. The same invite that Jesus put out then, he puts out now, come, come, have this adventure with me. It's great, isn't it? I've been on this, on this adventure for a long time. One of my um, favorite memories, I was um, asked by school if I could tell the Easter story. And I thought, oh, great, that would be a real... Um, and Bob Hartman was just about to bring out his book on the Easter, Easter, uh, Easter story uh, Bible tellers. And I thought, oh, that would be fantastic if I could have that. But it wasn't due out for another, another year. So I, 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 I emailed and went, Bob, can I, can I have your book early? And he went, no. I went, I, I, I'll, I'll buy one when it comes out, but I, I want to tell it to this school. And, I, and, and so he said, yeah, you can have it as long as you tell me how it goes. So in this assembly, I told 24 stories over an hour and 10 minutes, twice, one to, the, to, to half the school and then to the other half of the school. And the best bit was, I was telling these stories. So every, every three or four minutes, we'd tell the story from another part. But when we got to that story of Jesus dying, you could hear the sniffs in the room. As children were upset. And when we told the story of that Sunday morning, when he came from the grave, when he rose again, one little girl jumped to her feet and yelled, yes! Followed by half a school doing exactly the same thing. The, the power in the story, the power of what happened. And it never happened once, it happened twice that morning as we told the story again that it was the same response. Jesus rose from the dead. But imagine at that time, just before then, when the disciples saw him die, that the world came crashing down. What does this mean for us? Was it real? Was it not real? Was he the Messiah? Or wasn't he the Messiah? How could the Messiah die? And as they watched him on that cross, as they seen him being buried, as they went back and talked about it, their hearts were broken. But then the Sunday morning, like that little girl, when they heard the stories, something started to resonate within them. Is it true? Is it true? 
And people came from, who were on a walk to Emmaus, came running back saying, we've seen him. Was it true? Then he appeared in the room. You think, wow. But it says a little bit later on, he took them on this mountainside, and this is, this is where we're at. They had the, you know I mean, he's, he met them in that room. He met them, he met them um, by the lake. He met them on the beach. And then he meets them on this mountainside, and he says, you've had to come. Now I want you to go. And in and, and the translation, if you took it, it's, it's not to, to all nations. Actually, the translation is to all people groups. Go to all people groups and tell them about me. Teach them to obey the things I taught you. Baptize them. Make disciples. And that's what the church is about. And that's, that's what we're doing. Go and make disciples. The hassle is sometimes we're still in the come and we've never got to the go. We're still stuck in coming to church, not going, because the adventure doesn't stop here. The adventure gets when we get to, to go into all the world. You know, God's plan, oh, don't want to give it too early. God's plan God's answer to the world is you. Ain't that scary? I mean, look around. Look at the people sat next to you. God's answer is them. You think, what? Ian Williams, yes. Ian Williams is the answer. He is. (laughs) We are, we are the answer. How God wants to change the world is through us. He could have did it another way, but he didn't choose that. He chose us. Little us. You, know, my, you might not feel it. You know I mean, you might think, I'm not very good at this. I'm not really even the best of Christians. But the early Christians were worse than you. I mean, I've never heard you argue amongst yourself, have you? I've never come in and caught you going, who's the greatest in the church? It's obviously me, or you, or us. And Peter's going, no, it's me, I've been here the longest. But (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's the argument that the early disciples were having. On the last day, when Jesus was alive, he had to put an end to their arguments as they were arguing who was greater or less amongst themselves in the room. Isn't that bizarre? Do you think Jesus was sitting going, oh, and I die tonight, and this is the end. What are we, are you sure this is right? These ones, can I not swap them? But that was his answer. He took a bunch of, of people that we wouldn't even think twice about and said, you are the answer to this world. I want you to send you out and you're going you're gonna to shine so bright in dark places that people will know that God is true. You're going to bring love into places which is full of hate and, and people will see that the Father is real. You're going to bring priests into a place where there's nothing but trouble. And I know it sounds crazy. It sounds nuts. It's, it's foolish talk. But that's why God chose you. There's a chapter in the Bible, and it's um, 
It's brilliant. It's got everybody in it who's ever been famous in the Bible. It's that sort of good. And uh, let me read it to you. We'll get there in a sec. You might be the only Christian in your office that anyone ever gets to see. You might be the only Christian that people get to see. The only Christian that they get to, to ask questions of. The only Christian they, they get to see in real life working. And it may be in your office. It could be in your street. It could be in your book club, if you're part of a book club. No. Uh, part of um, a football club? No. Um, what do you guys do? U3A. If you're part of U3A, it could be in that. Um, anything else? Tennis. Oh, yes. Tennis. Golf. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I love golf. Yes, thank you, Lord. When you get to heaven, it's the biggest, the biggest par 15s you'll ever see. Um, anything else? Sorry? Pilates. I thought you, sorry. I thought you said something else. It took me a minute. Pilates, of course. Yep. Bowls. School, yes. Anything else we're part of? Allotments. Oh, yes. Dog walkers. They're a strange bunch, aren't they? My dog looks at me like I'm nuts. I take him out walking. He goes, are you really going to pick that up? You are disgusting. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it's a strange bunch of dog walkers, but we are all there. I don't know which groups you're part of, what communities you're part of, but God has placed you there for a reason. And that is the reason to go. So, let's get to Hebrews. So, in in Hebrews, it talks about the heroes of the faith. And they're all there. Uh, There's Noah, there's Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, David, Daniel, Jonah, uh, John. And then we get people like John the Baptist, the disciples. These were all sort of heroes in the faith, weren't they? All the people who did it, who told the stories who were great. And if you were here on Friday, you would have found another hero in the faith. As we heard stories uh, uh, about, um, about Nick. Tucker, and when his boy stood up and spoke about how he lived his life, we're all a bit like Scott going, wow, if I could half, half of what they said, I would be a happy man, a hero in the faith. Other people, John Wesley, George Whitfield, who spoke in our common, both of them, with tens of thousands of people coming to hear them preach, all heroes in the faith. But this is what the Bible says about us. This is the cool pit. Okay, let's, let's flick it on. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us. So only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of the faith. These people ran their race. They ran it and they ran it well. But their turn is finished. It's like a, it's like a relay race. You ever ran in a relay race? I used to do it at school when I was a kid, and you had to mark out your paces, and, you, and you're waiting for them to come, and when they hit that mark, you ran, and you stuck your hand out, and you hoped you weren't going too fast, and that eventually that baton would be put in your, and then it, once it hit your hand, you were off. It was your turn to get to that next leg or to the finish tape. And that's, that's what this race is. They've gone, they've run their race, and they are hoping and shouting and screaming and encouraging that we will run like them. And when we trip and when we fall, they're screaming, get up, get up. And we do trip and fall, don't we? We do mess up. We do say things wrong. We do do things and we think, oh, I am the worst Christian in the world. But we get up and we keep running and we keep going. Why? Because it's our leg. It's our turn now. To shine for him. And where he has put you in a community. What we're asking is that you live your life open. And showing people what Jesus is like. I don't know what your work's like. My work's pretty good. The staff, they're really good. In fact, I think they're all Christians here. (laughs) Yeah, I would put my finger around. But I bet where you work, maybe they're not all Christians. And I bet they're wondering, oh, with these, these Christians, what are they like? And you're there just to say, this is what we're like. We, we want to love you and we want to care for you and we want to pray for you. And we, whatever you can do, just shine bright. Or in, in, in your street, just shine bright. When it comes to children's parties for four-year-olds, Shine bright. If you're in your tennis club or boot club or your Pilates, I don't know how you shine bright in Pilates, but shine bright. So, I thought it was like lying around. Oh, the beginning and the ending. Should we all lie down? <laughs> yes, that's great. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I trouble lying down. I mean, getting up. Wherever God has put you, that is your community, and that's where you have to shine bright. Many people talk about evangelism, and they talk about. You know, I mean, there's forms of, and there's lots of different ways of doing it. But really, for us to speak and be, God has put us in communities and put us there for a reason, and that's why we have to. Be there and make a difference there. My next old next door neighbor used to be a policeman. His daughter was with us yesterday. And um, I used to speak to him about God. And the, the rule of thumb we had is because I would always speak about God that I thought he must be getting fed up with me speaking about God. So my rule was I'd only speak if he brought something up. And funny enough, every time we spoke, he would bring something up that I would have something to share about God. 
but we were talking one day, in a, and I said, well, talking about the faith, and he says, I find Christians difficult. And I said, okay, why? And he goes, well, there's this guy at work, and he's a Christian, and he's the most miserable man I have ever met. And everything's a problem, and he doesn't do anything because he's a Christian and can't do it. We invite him to parties, he doesn't come because he's a Christian and he can't do it. And so his opinion of Christians has plummeted because of this man. We are, we are called to make a difference. To shine. As you say, you might be the only Christians there. But the question is, will we run? Will we run for him? Run as fast? Will we shine as bright as we can? Will we care? Will we make a difference? in the communities where God has put us. Will you run that race? Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you've dropped us in some communities. And I thank you that you've called us to to be a difference there. I pray that we will shine bright. Father, I pray that when we speak that we're careful with our words. I pray that we'll be encouragers. I pray that we'll bring light into that group. Father, when people suffer, may we notice. And when people rejoice, may we rejoice with them. And Father, I pray when they ask questions about you that we'll have an answer for them. So bless us, use us for your kingdom. May we go to the places you've called us. In your name, amen.